Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everybody and welcome back to my podcast Headstrong, where I sit down and have an engaging conversation with a well-known individual about their upbringing, their career, and notably their struggles that have helped them shape who they are today. On this week's episode of Headstrong, I was so lucky to get to have a chat with Danny Cipriani. Fresh off his win as Player of the Year this season, we got to discuss this year at Gloucester as a rugby player as well as the more controversial aspects of his life that have landed him in some heat in the media. Danny and I got to have a very honest and open discussion about how he's dealt with these pressures and how much he's grown as a person. So I really, really hope you enjoy this episode of Headstrong. Mr. Danny Cipriani, thank you very much for coming to talk to me. Well, I've come to you, but thank you very much for coming on. No, thanks for having me. Um, Congratulations on your Player of the Year award. That must be I don't know a relief but also uh, do you feel like you've you've really earned that this season and you've earned even more respect from the players in the whole of the premiership as well uh, I, I feel it's, it's difficult taking individual awards in a team sport you know because for, for me rugby is is the ultimate team sport you, you know there are so many facets of the game that make it operate and make it go well for you that you know for one person to get it is it's a uh, mm. It's a bit uncomfortable, a bit humbling, whatever you want to use in that way. Um, but, you know, it's, it's nice to receive it. And I guess it means that I'm doing my job in terms of playing well and trying to prepare the team as best I can. But for me, it is really a team award because, you know, we don't get to do what we're doing on the field individually unless we operate together. So you're you're in your 30s now. Sorry to mention it. No, I like it. But, so do you feel like you've grown uh, in a sense of maturity, your mentality's changed uh, and your, your work ethic has got better as you've got older and you, you've learned how to approach your game now? Uh, yeah, I think, I think what um, has happened 
with me in the story along the way and the narrative that I guess is being created by the media. And, you know, there's been times that I've probably played into it or, or made mistakes, which make it easy to write about that narrative. But, you know, the work rate side of things, the work ethic, you know, that has always been my my focus. When I was younger, uh, I felt like I'd lost a bit of speed because we had done so many weights from 15 to 17. So I went and found a sprint coach, worked with her, got all my speed back and some, you know, I went and sourced one of the best physios on the, in the planet um, who I see regularly. You know, I've got an unbelievable guy who I met, 25, 26, I'm sure we'll talk about Steve Black mm. um, in terms of mentality and focus. Uh, just whenever I feel like there's something that I need to work on or, or have some self-awareness, I will go and source someone who who is an expert in that area. Um, and that's just the way that my mindset's been. Um and as you get older, you, you, you get more and more self-awareness and you realise where you can improve. You know, everything that happens every day is you can step back and, and look at it and think, what, what is that situation teaching me? Why has that come up today? What can I learn from it? How can I keep growing or improving? And I guess that's been heavily my mentality for the last six, seven years since I've been back from Australia. And it's been a big focus on mine uh, moving forward. Gloucester is now obviously your home for the next three years. Uh, a year ago today, you signed your deal with Gloucester. Do you feel that the infrastructure that Gloucester has provided has, it, you know, your Player of the Year award has come from such an incredible infrastructure here at Gloucester? Or do you think it could have happened elsewhere, but it's actually really helped you being here? I feel I feel the, the individual award is maybe an accumulation of the last six, seven years uh, in terms of consistency and what how I've been trying to play uh, at sale. I learned a lot of uh, important facets of rugby in terms of playing on the back foot, trying to win games when perhaps you don't have parity or you don't have um, that front football. Uh, then I was at Wasps, blessed with a lot of star-studied names. Um, and, you know, we played some great stuff. But then, you know, at Gloucester, I feel we've got some great team unity and team harmony, uh, especially with the coaching staff and the playing staff combined. I think there's a great mix here. And I know obviously when you're in an environment, you always want it to be better improved. But this is an environment where I can truly see that everyone is working together. Uh, Just mentioning the coaching staff there. Obviously, you've talked about Johan and uh, David Humphreys as well in the in the press before as well. How, yeah. how incredible they've been. But w w I don't know from the outside what, what is so unique about the play to inspire attitude of Johan. What, what makes that so inspiring for you as a player and also the team to get behind him and say, right, and look where you are now, you're going into the playoffs. Yeah, I think I think what Johan does is he, he cares individually about the players, about them growing as um, as people, not just as rugby players. I guess you can stand up in front of the group and talk every week about what you can do better on the field, you know, what area we can work on and, and all things like that. But I guess he just tries to take moments and, and sees the, the energy of the group or, or with the mood of the group. And he tries to assess it and then he'll give us stories, talk about things and in terms of us sort of hopefully having to have a think and, and develop us as individuals as opposed to just rugby players. And, you know, if we're growing off the field, if our mindset's growing, if we're learning, you're obviously going to become a better rugby player as well. That's a heavy, heavy part of what he does. But it's just the whole, the whole round and the awareness that he brings to it, which I think is very unique in terms of uh, coaches. How important is it to you and Gloucester to have such a loyal fan base I would say honestly Gloucester, some of the, the Gloucester fans are some of the most loyal in the premiership wouldn't you say yeah I think Mad. It's, it's been it's been amazing uh, you know you've always felt that when you were playing away at Gloucester for, for myself playing at the shed or playing at King's Home 
And now, you know, this season, my first season, obviously being part of Gloucester and, you know, they've fully taken on everyone. Um, you know, there's people that come over from South Africa, it's been their first season and they've embraced everyone in, in terms of how they've looked after the squad. And, you know, we, we've tried to put our best foot, foot out there and give them something to cheer about. And, you know, I think it's 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 such a great um, city for rugby because it's, it's the main sport here. Um you know, and I think it's, there's some real, real solid people that come and support Gloucester, and you know, it, it, it's it's like a coliseum when you go down there when it's a when it's a busy day when it's packed out and you hear everyone you know cheering. So it's, I'm very grateful to to be playing in front of them. Yeah, both on and off the field, I guess it really must help mentally as well, knowing that you've got the support of literally thousands of people, and, and not not that there's any pressure on it at all, but just knowing what win or lose, they're they're, they're behind you on your back, which is great. I think that's something that you can see within. Gloucester players that have been here for so long, your Charlie Sharples, Billy Twelve Trees, your Ben Morgans, you know, they desperately want to give something back to these Gloucester fans. Yeah, and, they've come through the ranks. Yeah, they've come through the ranks and those people that have been here for a long time, their performance has stepped up this year. You know, I think that is what everyone's focus has been. That's what that play to inspire message is and I think that's what we're all trying to achieve. So let me take you back to the start of the season. In fact, pre-season, you're in Jersey and the altercation happens. Where does that put you mentally? How, how, how difficult is it to face that? Because the press seem to be painting this uh, egotistical macho rugby player. But actually deep down, I feel like there is definitely much more of a, a deeper person there. But how, does it, how, how can you mentally cope with how the press and the tabloids are painting you when it might not, not necessarily be true? Yeah, I, I feel things like that, you know, you have to take it face value. You you, you understand the situation, you know, when my team captain was there, he witnessed everything and we know the truth, we know what happened and to then see how it gets portrayed in the media, how they try and spice it up and what they do, that's their role, that's their job. Uh, I do think there should be more responsibility with the media in terms of, you know, care, care to individuals in how they report stories and what they do because... You know, it's caused a lot of people difficulty over the years, uh, a, a lot of mental struggles. Um, but, you know, luckily it wasn't my first rodeo in terms of having to deal with a, an altercation <laughs> yeah, um, sure. or or in something which was, which was uh, you know, misinterpreted by the press. Uh, and it was something, obviously, I wish hadn't happened. And I guess it was a reality check for me to just... Keep, keep moving forward in terms of what I'm doing. Um, Did that make you want to focus more on your game? You were like, look, if this has happened at the start of the season, crikey, now I really need to get, you know, focus on the rugby here. Because, oh, I mean, we, I only know what happened in the papers. You, mm. you say you know what happened, as, like, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you mentally, you must have just gone right. And now the switch must have gone rugby oh, time. The switch had gone first day being in training. It yeah. wasn't even... Then, you know, I'd been in for two or three weeks before that. Mm. And there was, a, there was a lot of work we'd put in to make sure we were moving forward as a team. Uh, that was a, it was a team night out and, you know... Which it, happened all the time, might I add. Yeah, I guess, you know, and it was, it, the whole thing ended up becoming very unnecessary. Um, but, you know, it was definitely something which I learned from and, you know, it was just that situation and, and, and for me it's just making sure that when I get back like you say you focus on the rugby whether you don't get picked in a squad whether you um, don't get on with a coach whether you have something which goes on you know at the end of the day your craft your, your job is your, your main focus and you need to make sure you go back and put everything into that and I guess over the last six seven years 
whether it be non-selection, whether it be whatever it might be, you know, I like to feel like my, my it almost spurs me on every time to go and improve, perform and play better. Well, I think in this 2018-19 season, you've certainly proved the critics wrong. And in fact, I mean, I, I know I know you keep saying it's only an individual award, but I mean, it is it is proof that, you know, your your six, seven years of hard work have really paid off. So I think you should be really, really proud of that. Oh, thank you. Um, just talking about that, though, so obviously... You're no stranger to the controversy, which you admit to, and, you know, it's happened in your life. You've been in the papers before with the, the bus uh, concussion, the driving ban, and then Jersey as well. But how do you feel that some parts of what you do are overlooked? For example, you, you supporting charities, meeting fans, you're putting in all this time of your, your own personal time into the club and for good, and sometimes that part isn't actually reported. Yeah, is it, that something? Is that quite difficult to it's, accept, or is that also maybe like a bit when I was younger? But now, you know, when you do those things, it isn't for yourself or it isn't for your own ego. You're doing it for others. You're doing it to try and you know hopefully brighten someone's day. Whether you go to hospital visit or whatever it might be, you know, lots of rugby teams do it. Whether you go coach kids, hopefully you go and brighten up a kid's day. Whatever it might be, you're, you're doing it for them. It's not for a self reward. So. You know, if it gets overlooked, it doesn't matter. It's, it's how that individual took that moment. And it was how, hopefully, you you conducted yourself on that day. Um, so if you do things truly to give and truly for, for, for a selfless reason, then you're doing it with authenticity. Um, so, you know, that's going to be the case. And you just have to make sure you, you, you keep going along and keep focused and keep working on that and, and keep sticking to your message over and over again. And, you know, I've obviously, like you say, had my altercations. But, you know, I'd like to think that over the last six, seven years, I've had a lot of growth and uh, and I'm making sure that I'm moving in the right direction. With a number of other sports people, let's say, for example, have also, you know, had their, their fair share of media coverage for not necessarily the right reasons. You look at Freddie Flintoff in, in the, the pedalo incident. You've got Alex Hales most recently with whatever that might have been uh and then you know ben stokes uh with the the punching outside the club as well do you think there is an unachievable amount of expectation for these sports people or do you think it's actually just the unnecessary uh focus from the social media aspect and 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 the media themselves uh i think partly you know it's there's definitely responsibility of on, on, on sportsmen and we have to adhere to that. Uh, so there's times when we put hands up and things do go wrong. Uh, but there's also a, a social media backlash and a storm nowadays, which is someone makes a mistake and, you know, people tweet or whatever they do and you read the comments and you, you almost feel like the people write and have never, ever made a mistake in their life. There needs to be some sort of empathy in terms of what's gone on and the full picture that you read won't necessarily be the truth or exactly how it's reported. So just trying to look a little bit from both sides of it. Um, I think it is important to remember that but the person behind the pen as well, yeah, like you say, is, is not a perfect person, you know. So there's a number of things that, that have that occur, and there's certainly always two sides to an argument. Not that there's an argument, but two sides to the story at the very least. Yeah, it, it, it's not even necessarily about being the perfect person for me. It's just like having that empathy um, with others, and you know, as long as those people are tra- making the right steps to move forward, to be, you know, as best they can be a good role model, as best they can try and, you know really make a difference within their sport and their and their you know immediate circle then you know okay, so that's interesting so what what 
attributes and qualities would you say describe Danny Cipriani? Uh, what attributes and qualities? You know, um, I what, guess, are your, uh, what, what are your characteristics that aren't always necessarily picked up by the media, but well, you, uh, that you hold close to yourself? I, I guess empathy and compassion would be one. Uh, constantly trying to work on myself, you know, whether it be, you know, going over and beyond in terms of reading, um, having good guides or mentors or whatever it be to make sure I'm still developing it as a man and being, you know, the best on-field leader I can be, off-field leader I can be within my group, uh, whether I can be someone who people can look at who has made mistakes who has gone through whatever they might have gone through but has stayed consistent and got back on track and kept continually doing so uh you know whether it be something whether it be a big mistake of mine whether it be a story the media have you know exasperated or or exaggerated whatever it might be um and it's just about having that self-awareness and that self you know it's that self-growth and for me it's you know i'm in an era where we're in an era now where it's quite a fatherless environment. There's a lot of single parent homes and I grew up in that situation from 10 years old and there was often times in rugby coaches I would pin a father figure type role on a certain coach and early on I had it. I had it with Brian Ashton and Sean Edwards and they yeah. gave me everything and I gave them everything because that's how it felt. And then as soon as coaches weren't given that, it was an immediate trigger for me to, you know, almost act up in a way and... That's for me to have that self-awareness and to keep growing so you don't keep having that trigger and dealing with that situation. And as you get older, I've learned to find ways to be my own man, develop in my own way, speak to the right people, go out and reach for it and, and, and keep uh, developing because that's all we can do is taking onus and responsibility of your life. And, you know, there's been times I've had to do it under the media spotlight, whatever it might be. I've, I've held my hand up. I've made mistakes. Um but, you know, as long as, you, you know, you're, you're moving forward because at the end of the day, real life's different to the media life. I think this season you certainly showed it as well. Cheers, man. So let me take you back to the beginning of your career, which, so back when you were 23, you said you suffered from depression. So I know it's a long time ago, but can you remember what brought that on and what those feelings were? Yeah, it was, it was going through, you know... There was a, a shift in narrative in the media from the age of like 17 to 20 and 21. Everything I did was was amazing. Everything in terms of what the media wrote about was amazing. I'd have an okay game, but they'd report as if I've been the best player Everything's ever. Everything's covered right? in gold. And I I went through that phase and you're, at that age, you start almost just, oh, you start riding it. You start riding the wave, as it were, the ups. So you start feeling great because of external opinions. And then Broke My Ankle came back, took a bit of time to get back to form. Um, I played like 40 minutes of rugby pre-autumn after breaking my ankle. Didn't have the best awesome series. Had good moments within it, but not the best autumn series overall. I'm 21 trying to lead a, a brand new team. Uh, you know, there's a lot of factors that stop me from being great in that situation and being the best leader I could be. It was a great learning curve. But then the narrative changed. It was, if I played, I played okay, didn't do well. It was, it was a negative. So then from me riding that high, high wave, that high narrative, I'm now feeling the pain of the negative that I'm reading, you know, because my mum's feeling it. My friends are feeling it. They read it. It's so, it's just like everything to them. So, I'm then getting the knock-on effect of that. And then suddenly it just rides and goes more because they feel they've got a bit of a sniff. They've got a little bit of blood, you know, a wounded animal. Let's go, let's go for the kill. And, and that's almost what it felt like. 
So that's why I decided to go to Australia, move away, um, as well as my issues in terms of growing up with, without a father being around. You know, I love my dad to bits, but he moved back to Trinidad when I was 10. That's fully fine. It was his decision. But, you know, through some important years of my life, I didn't have those role models. So around that age, as well as going through all this, I'm starting to go through this process of like, why this and why that? And then I'm away in Australia. I'm on my own in, in terms of immediate family or anything like that. And then, you know, it, it becomes quite a lonely place and I start thinking about things and then the narrative in the media is, you know, trying to catch me up, trying to be as negative as possible. And there's times I've allowed it to, to be the case. There's times I've done things which, you know, for me is just a normal thing or is just messing about, whatever it might be. Um, when I was in Australia and it gets reported and it's some big story and it's, it's negative. So then again, it's another thing. Um, and then I went through a very difficult time when I lost a good friend of mine uh, in the off season when I was over in England. And it was just a lot. It was a lot to deal with. So, and I was just finding it difficult to verbalize what was in my mind. And that's when you end up having those feelings of tomorrow. I don't want to be here or tomorrow. There's, there's difficulties and it's like, how am I going to get through this? I'd rather just not be here. Um, did you have those thoughts? Yeah, yeah, that's, and that's what I was going through. And then I was seeing a psychiatrist for a while. Um, and it, it, was, it was good speaking to someone, but I didn't get, you know, personally, I didn't get the feeling out of it that I needed. So then it was more about self-awareness and, and understanding and trying to go through situations. And I met a guy called Steve Black, who was amazing for me um, in terms of the conversation we had. I met him, the first time I met him, we spoke for like three and a half hours and I could just tell immediately that this guy, he, you know, subconsciously I've, I've attached to him as a father figure because that's just the way he is. And I've learned so much from him in the last six, seven years, constantly, you know, giving me books to read, podcasts to listen to. And it, it's been phenomenal to, to keep learning that situation. And we started to ride those negative stories and just, you know, continue what the focus is, continue being great, continue trying to be as best a leader as you can on the field. Um, uh, different situations in your life and you know it, it was something which uh, I really sort of started focusing on which was my, in my my play and my work and learning off the field which then didn't really give me time to feel down as it were because I had a goal to attain. So you mentioned the the negativity that your family were reading and your friends were reading and they were they were feeling that and therefore mm. it was the weight on your shoulders and then you you found Steve and you were able to talk to him and you clicked with him which is awesome um, but what made Steve so much easier to talk to than, say, your family and your, all your friends that you could have spoken to um, because they were also going through something not, not similar, because I don't want to yeah. say that, but you had... They... It's, it's different because everyone who is immediately involved is, is attached either emotionally, um, invested financially, or whatever it might be, there is an attachment there. First time I met Steve, he didn't know me from Adam, he just knew me as Danny and the way his persona and his energy was I felt like we could talk so you meet someone who has that about them you do talk and then you understand they're speaking their truth and then you can speak your truth uh, and then that just goes a long way in terms of you know growing a relationship it's it's not always necessarily easy just to talk to family it's something which you should do and try and talk to but then it's also you're you're afraid of judgment from people within you. So it's it's 
it's as if we just need more empathy and compassion within this world entirely and then people can have these conversations and speak uh, and, and, and not think, be emotionally attached. Do you think there's a social stigma on speaking out about what, if somebody's suffering? It, I, I guess you, you build it up a lot more in your head. You build it up a lot more in your head in terms of what, what is that person going to think? What's going to happen? You know, there's been times the media have wanted to write stories and, and you, you build it up in your head about oh how bad it's going to be. Um, but, you know, it, it's actually dealing with the situation. It's never as bad as you think it is. Um, and it, it's, it's being able to sit your family down, you know, or sit whoever you're down you want to speak to and, and letting them know that you want to get some things off your chest. I, I want a judgment-free zone and, and this is how I'm feeling and and hopefully you can you can get some somewhere to move forward to. But I think internally you know within your near circle who it is you can talk to. You must feel some type of connection or energy towards someone so you can actually go and have that conversation. Um, and if not, hopefully there's enough things out on the internet to, to read about, to... Um, to learn from, to have some self-awareness, to, to, to go and read, whatever it might be, to try and make sure that you can get yourself right because, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's all in your hands. It's really important to say that the hard, the hardest part about any form of suffering mentally is the, the first part of actually coming out and saying y- you, are, you are suffering and that you need to be able to speak to somebody. Um, are there, is there anything in particular that you remember with Steve, any, any techniques or anything that, comes to mind that really helped you get through that period where you were that made you kind of leave go to Australia but then what made you bounce back um, mentally what uh, made you stronger I, apart from just speaking to him was there something that really stands out I think I think he was clever when I when you look back on it he was very good at making make, so I started logging a diary a training diary and within that training diary we'd talk about three good things I did in training three things I want to improve on also right at the bottom how was my mood that day how did I feel and you start logging things and then over the course of seven days Say you train five times a week, you, you know, you suddenly got um, five times, so you've got 30 entries into your diary, as well as every single day you've got, you know, uh, an emotion or a feeling page as well. So you've got 35 things, you know, every week. You can look back on it. You can see progression. You can see how you felt, how you kept um, performing well, even in a day which you didn't feel great or whatever it might be. So he, he almost really focused my mind into my um, profession. And I'm, I feel very fortunate to have a profession like rugby where you know every week I can go out and start again every week is a new game every day is a new day of training how can I get the most out of today in training and and I appreciate it's different in different jobs because you don't have the the luxury of of that maybe perhaps that excitement I'm not sure but it's about finding what you truly want to do and and whether that be working as you are but then also getting something on the side where you can really focus on something which you can put all your energy into something you love doing and then really sort of log in that process of it and then you can see some progression um set yourself challenges uh whatever it may be you know i'm i'm like i said i'm very fortunate to be in a profession where every single day i've i've got an opportunity to go and improve my mind mindset so you know i think that's something which really helped me as a sportsman so you're the professional rugby player now, and you've got a few more seasons left. But like any any profession or any any sportsman, especially the playing career is going to come to event end eventually. Um, and you have talked about you wanting wanting to help people at the end of your career. Have you not obviously thought about retirement yet? But have you maybe put any any thoughts into 
where that might take you once you finish is it going to be training helping out with kids uh maybe in the media yourself really but but fight back um i don't know have you have you had any thoughts yeah about that? i've had lots of thoughts over the last sort of three or four years about what direction we want to take it in uh, i feel like through the experiences i've had in in rugby and and my life over the last 20 21 years from you know age of 10 it would be a waste if i can't you know try and help other sportsmen in that especially young ones um it would be quite selfish of me not to to speak on it and and hopefully someone might have a you know uh, a situation which they can relate to and and you know maybe might help one person who knows but i think that's something which i'd enjoy doing um i guess there's there's lots of different things that i'm excited about for for after rugby um it's always nice to have something to look forward to yeah yeah yeah, it's definitely i'm i've got you know several things i'm very much looking forward to you know I'm, I'm loving every day. I'm loving the challenge. And at the end of long seasons, you know, you do look forward to those off seasons to get that hunger back. And what's been great about this year is when you're in those playoff rugby's, it keeps that excitement there. It keeps that buzz going. You know, it keeps everything going for those last five, three, four months. And it's, it's imperative that, you know, you push everything you can in season to try and make those playoff spots. Um, and then, you know, from that, you need to try and have your best performances. Uh, but then after you get your off season, you get that hunger back after three, four weeks being away, you want to get back at it. And I guess, you know, there'll come a time when I get those three, four weeks and I want to re- not get back at it. So it'd be the perfect time to retire. And, you know, I, f- I feel like that would be the end of this contract, you know, probably when I finish. Sure. So looking at looking at the likes of James Haskell, who's retiring, um, there's there's a lot going on at the moment about rugby players retiring and, and making that transition into retirement. But... There's also this this big thing with restart rugby, and a lot a lot of players who actually really struggle to get get through that transition from playing into retirement. Uh, and in fact, two in three players struggle with mental health problems post retirement. Do you think is that is it? Do you think it's a massive issue and something that people still need to keep raising awareness about and ha- come, coming around and supporting? Yeah, for sure. I think I think there's a lot of that with all sports. You know, you've put everything into your whole life from the age, you know, whatever age you started playing and then you started realising potentially you could be professional. 15, 16, you know, every single waking day is about your profession and what you're doing. You have a schedule, you have routine and then suddenly it stops at 34, 35 and the world's moved around you. You know, how much have you grown with it? How much have you have you learned along the way to to put yourself in a, in a good situation? Uh, I think there's a, there's a lot right now where hopefully people can keep 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 learning themselves um set themselves challenges off the field you know i know james is very busy with with you know james haskell's busy with the media and his podcast and and his his training he's got a lot of aspects which you can put yourself into um and it's just it's just trying to keep yourself as as busy but setting yourself a challenge and realizing that you are just you know you are who you are so i'm i'm danny Sperani. i'm not danny Sperani, the rugby player this is what I'm doing for right now and it's only going to set me up for what's going to be later in life. Like this is a platform to move forward to, to make sure that you can go and do, do something else great. Just because every single waking day has been put into this sport and your talent or your individual um, prowess, whatever it might be, has been channeled into a sport. It doesn't mean you can't take those skills and put it into business or put it into marketing or, or whatever it might be for someone else, you know, or leadership, depending on whatever your skills are within that game um so it's just it's just about having that stoic attitude on on all of it and and 
finding something that you can attach to for afterwards. Always looking forward, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, great. Um, my dad would kill me if I didn't bring up England. I've got to talk about it. Um, so obviously for a period of time, you uh, being dropped with Ed, by Eddie was in the headlines for a long time. Mm. But post-award, post-2018-19 season, do you feel like you're in the best place possible that you've ever been in your career as a rugby player and do you feel like you are you've got a look in now and you're 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 raring to go for japan if you get picked yeah it's like you say it's it's uh it's an accumulation of these last six seven years and every year uh, i've been i've been trying to get better and improve and every season you know the narrative has been oh it's his best season yet so if i can keep doing that as a player up until the day I finished then you know that that's that's the type of legacy I do want to leave as a player in terms of England you know there's some unbelievable talent in this country so you you've got to go over and beyond to get picked and that's that's what I'm trying to do right now and you know there's challenges that are set and I I've got to try and you know achieve those and be be the best I can be be the best competitor I can be on the field and you know if you do the business back end of the season or you know have the consistency throughout the season um do well in training camp whatever whatever is laid out in front of you you just have to do it to the best of your ability and keep learning along the way and in, enjoy the process and you know selections out of your hands ultimately you just got to do everything you can i feel like you you've certainly put in all, all, all the effort you can this season yeah look danny mate look uh, thank you so much for coming on and having a chat with me cheers man uh, and i hope people find some inspiration in what in what you've said awesome cheers man cheers enjoyed man. it Well, a massive, massive thank you to Danny for giving up such precious time in the build-up to the end of this season. It was a very humbling experience to get to chat with somebody who has experienced so much both on the field and in the public eye. If you like this episode of Headstrong, be sure to hit subscribe, like it, share it, tweet it, give us five stars, whatever you want to do. It just means so much that these episodes are getting an audience. So thank you so much to you, the listener, for tuning in. Thank you also to David Humphreys, Martin St. Quinton, Duncan Wood, Neil, Cozzy, and of course to Danny for being so open and honest in this episode. Tune in next week for another episode of Headstrong. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.